the Black Scholars Podcast. BlackScholarsPublishing.com That uh, we should get our own. Once we have our own, uh, we're respected for the fact that we can create our own. And uh, that's equality right there. All right, well, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Black Scholars Podcast. Great to have you. Um, and Kanisha Moore, or should we call you yes. Dr. Kanisha Moore or Dr. Moore? What do you prefer being called? Either is, either is fine with me. All right, well, I know. You Dr. Kanisha. Dr. Kanisha. All right. That works for me. Well, Dr. Kanisha, welcome to the show. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the tribe. You are a fellow educator. You are probably the first educator I've had um, who is not currently in the classroom. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm not currently in the classroom. So what do you do? So I'm a psychologist for Texas A&M University. So I do therapy and outreach um, for the students and different organizations at Texas Okay, awesome. But you previously were in the classroom, correct? Mm-hmm, I was. So I was an educator for Shelby County Schools. Um, and then once I started getting my PhD, I resigned from teaching seventh grade science. Um, and then I began teaching in the college classroom. And I taught undergraduate introduction to counseling courses and um, human interaction courses. Okay. And so I'm going to assume in undergrad, you studied psychology? I did. Mm-hmm. I was okay. like pre-med at Spelman College. You were pre-med? hmm Okay. And what made you decide not to go to med school? It, it wasn't for me. After okay. about a year and a half, I decided, you know what? I want to help people just in a different capacity. So I switched from biology to psychology, but I kept my pre- pre-med track because I'd already taken so many of the courses. Right, right. So instead of going pre-med, did you go right into a master's degree or did you go right into your doctorate degree? So after undergrad, I actually taught for two years. Okay. So I was a substitute, yeah, I stood for Shelby County Schools. So grades pre-K all the way through 12th grade. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, so about a year and a half. And then in 2014, I got my master's in clinical mental health counseling from the University of Memphis. And then immediately after, I went in and um, I started working on my PhD. Okay. So how long did it take you to complete your doctorate? It took four years. So the track that I was on, I did three years of coursework and one year of internship. Okay. And... So, of course, you wrote a dissertation, I would assume. What's your dissertation about? (laughs) What's your dissertation Um, about? I I looked at the association with gendered racism 
and um, resilience and how it impacts sense of belonging and academic self-efficacy in Black women at predominantly white institutions. Mm, love that. I always love the titles of dissertations because it's like, ooh, I'm ready to read that. Um, <laughs> did you did you ever do anything with it outside of obviously earning your doctorate? Like, did you uh, edit it, revise it, chop it down, turn into different content in any type of form? So right now it's already published. I've published okay. my dissertation and I'm in the process of doing all of those things and submitting it to a journal okay. um, with the hopes that it can become published. And then I'm also, from the data that I've collected, I'm in the process of doing other projects from that same data. So yeah, lots of work with it. With right. sample. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, congratulations, Dr. Kanisha Moore. Thank you. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So let's let's get into the nuts and bolts of the show. Uh, this is the pandemic series 2.0. Uh, the initial pandemic series took place um March 2020, April 2020, June 2020, around that time, uh, I was recording a litany of episodes talking to different educators from all over the place about how the pandemic was affecting them personally, professionally, affecting kids, affecting students, affecting society, um, affecting us in various ways, whether it was financially or mentally. Um, obviously, you're a psychologist and you studied psychology in undergrad, so I know you're a huge proponent of mental health as well as I. Um, Absolutely. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show. So with you being a psychologist um, at the univer at the collegiate level, let me ask you that first. I should have asked you that first. What does your job actually entail there? Many things. So my job at the collegiate level, um, really I do therapy. So I have a caseload of students. They come in, I'll do a, an initial consultation. Um, to see what services would be best suited for students. I do individual therapy with students. I do group therapy with students. I do outreach initiatives where we sometimes go out and we talk to um, professors. We talk to other staff members. We talk to families. Um, and we also talk to students. I do crisis counseling. Um, so if students come in and they're in a state of crisis, um, and that could be anything from um, suicidal ideation um, to being manic, or dealing with the loss of something significant. Um, and then I also, now I'm in the process of creating a program at Texas a and where I'll be working with marginalized or students from marginalized populations. I'm helping them get in contact with certain resources. I'm hosting a group there for them, which won't necessarily be therapy, maybe more like um, just the discussion and encouragement. Um, and in the process of that, sending them our way, um, our counseling and psychological services center, sending them towards us for counseling if it's necessary. So in short, I do individual therapy, group therapy, um, and outreach initiatives at the collegiate level. So obviously uh, your primary role is um, psychologist or psychiatrist. That's what I need to clarify. Psychologist. 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 Okay, so you're not <laughs> writing prescriptions. No, I am not writing prescriptions. Okay. All right, I, all right. I'll refer. I can refer clients to psychiatrists or medical doctors, but right. no, I am not writing prescriptions. Okay. And so, and so you're done teaching at the collegiate level, correct? At I'm least not for just now. 
for now. Okay. <laughs> for okay. Now. All right. All right. And and of course, I mean, you probably might not know this by hand, but if you had to estimate how many how many clients do you have um, this school year? I would say this academic year. Well, this academic year, since we've just gotten started at Texas a and we've only been in classes now for about two weeks. Okay. Um, but I have about, I'll say this, I've triaged about 47 students in two weeks. 47? Um, and I've kept, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And I've okay. kept, yeah, and I've kept about, I, right now, I have about 15 of them on my caseload. Others of them, I've referred to groups or workshops. And sometimes students just need a single session. Um, and so I'll meet with them for one session, and then I'll let them know if they need to come back, they can. But I don't keep them on my caseload. So educate me, if you will. Um, is 15 a lot to have this early in the year for a caseload? It can be, okay. yes. Um, <laughs> so, it sounds like a lot, yeah. Yeah, it can be. But the thing of it is, is that I'm not seeing them all on a weekly basis. Okay. Um, So most of my clients, I see them biweekly or every, um, simply because now we have a session limit. And so our students only have 10 sessions for the academic year. And so I try to spread out their sessions. Um, So 15, it isn't that bad because I'm not seeing them all every, you know, every week. Okay. Awesome. Um, And so related to the pandemic, and whether it was last school year or this school year, a combination of both, how have students, how have college students been affected? I think this is the first episode I've ever done where I focus on college students. Normally I focus on K through 12, but this is this is needed um, because I know professors who listen to the podcast as well too. So definitely, um, again, asking that question, how, how are the um, and I guess, and, and this is going to be selfish of me, so please tell me to shut up. Um, I think I'm more concerned with the black and brown students specifically, um, if you have any that you've been working with, how have they been impacted by everything that's going on in society in the world? Our students have been impacted tremendously. Um, I can tell you that, especially specifically our first year students last year, um, they were impacted in so many ways. Many of them came to sessions feeling lonely, feeling like they didn't belong, you know, because they were under, we were all under quarantine. So we, all of our classes were remote. So students weren't able to go out and explore the college. They weren't able to go out and meet people. You know, they weren't able to do those things that you do your first year or so of college where you're really just getting to know yourself. So they're away from home. Many of them are anxious about the pandemic. You know, they're uncertain of, you know, if I go to this place, you know, am I going to get sick? You know, there is just so many different things that were happening um, that was really, really impacting our students. I'm so sorry. Give me one. Someone is calling my name. I don't know if you can hear through. No, I can't. Uh, sure. Go ahead. Okay, I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. The morale at your school, flat tire-ish. It's low. Everybody tired and school just started back. When I get home, my dog rubbed my stomach. 
I had to give counseling to the counselor. He told me she was rethinking her career choice. I had to take her to the parking lot, pour her a shot of tequila. Now she's doing just fine. Even the bus driver ready to quit. Yesterday she had to stop her route because the bus overheated. How that happened? Told me she'd rather drive forklifts at a hot warehouse than work here. The janitor ain't smiled since last year. I think I seen him light up a cigarette. I understood what he was going through. I almost asked him to pass me one. And I don't even smoke. I think the copy machine getting sick. I heard it coughing and it sneezed twice. Um, But you know, they were impacted tremendously. So many of our students were dealing with anxiety. They didn't know, do I have, you know, the coronavirus? Do my roommates have it? How can I interact with them? Should I be at home? Should mm. I be here? Many of them felt a great amount of guilt because maybe they had a family member who was sick at home mm. and they couldn't go home because being there means that they were, you know, in contact with someone who had it. And then if they came back to school, they could get their, you know, roommate sick. So it was just so many right. things. So we had so many students who were anxious. We had so many students who were depressed. I mean, there's a direct link between loneliness and depression. Mm -hmm. And because many of the students were isolated, they couldn't reach out to friends or be around their friends the way that they used to. And many of them felt depressed. And so I had students coming in. They weren't motivated to go to class. They weren't motivated to do their work. Many of them were like, I, I realized I don't have much of an appetite. I'm losing weight or I'm gaining weight. It was just so many different things that were happening. And it was all pandemic related. You bring up an interesting point. What happens, and this is more logistics uh, dealing with COVID, what happens when a student has a roommate and lives on campus and one of them catches COVID? How do they quarantine or isolate? You know, I'm really not sure what okay. every university's protocol is for that. And I, and I know it looks different because, you know, some students live on campus and other students have like off-campus apartments. Mm -hmm. um, but the few students that I, the students that I worked with who had roommates who caught COVID, they, they were all in the same house and their roommate who had COVID just stayed in their bedroom. Um, and so they okay. would just, they, okay. yeah, they wouldn't interact with the person, but I mean, but still, you still share a ventilation system. Sure. So it's, you're, you're not completely safe. Um, but yeah, the, the the students were impacted, and especially our Black and Brown students. I mean, because when we think about this past year, not only were, I'll say specifically for Black people, not only were we dealing with COVID, but we were also dealing with the racial injustice and inequality. Yeah. And, you know, we had police brutality, and it was just yeah. at the forefront of everything. And the university where I am, it's a predominantly white institution. And when I say predominantly, I mean, there are over 70,000 students at the university and only 3% of them are Black. And that's including right. international students, you know, right. those students who, yeah. So it's just, the students were dealing with so much. So not only are they on this new campus, it's hard already to have a sense of belonging because there aren't very many people here who look like you. Right. And then it's a pandemic, so you really can't go out and find the ones who do, you know, so it, it was rough. It was rough for many of our students. Hmm. And uh, I don't know, did you, have you ever have COVID yourself or have to deal with COVID yourself directly? I did. Yeah. I did last, yeah, last December. Yeah. I dealt with it January of 2021. Yeah, January 2021. So as you detail what these students have been going through, there is a direct link between um, the, the dealing with COVID and being quarantined and trying to be safe and depression. 
um, or at least some forms of what looks like depression. Um, and it's a tough place to be when you can't be around your friends and family and try to live some type of normal life in this new normalcy. And it's a, it's an utter hot mess and I wish it didn't happen. Um, do you get the opportunity to, maybe it's off the record, consult with different professors at all? Um, and if you do, I'm curious, what have they said about how students are coping with everything that's going on? Absolutely. So I did a few outreaches with some professors in many different departments and students are struggling. And that was from undergraduate students all the way to graduate students. Wow. And one thing that we actually saw was we had more professors with greater concerns for their grad students. Um, because, wow. you know, as a graduate student, oftentimes you're a bit older, you have a yeah. few more responsibilities. Maybe you for have sure. a family and a job outside of it, you know, so teachers were very concerned. They realized, or professors, they were concerned. They realized that students weren't as motivated as they used to be. They weren't as um, responsive to emails. They were, some people just were just really absent, just really yeah. absent. And professors just disappeared. Were mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so professors had many concerns and we did. We had, we did a few outreaches with them to try and give them some tips on how they can support their students and support them in a way that's not necessarily therapeutic because that, that isn't their role, right. um, but still be supportive and encouraged. And if, you know, they need more support to send them our way so that we could provide some counseling for them. Are the professors allowed to book therapy sessions with you guys? No. So the services that we have are only for students. For students only. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Unless it's like an outreach. So if it's like an outreach, Mm -hmm. We can do an outreach with professors, but they can't see us for individual therapy. Okay. Okay. And at the university that you are at, and is it okay to mention that you're in Texas? Did we say that already? Um, sure. You can say I'm in Texas. Okay. She's in Texas. She's in Texas. Um, <laughs> is there any type of has there been any type of uh, conversations with, and I don't know how big your department is, um, how, how many of you are there at that particular university? So we have about, we have about 45 staff members. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but of the staff members, um, maybe about 38 of us are clinicians. So 38 okay. of us practice and do therapy. Okay. And I mean, and it's quite a lot because again, our university there's seventy over seventy thousand students. Yeah. So imagine all you know thirty however many of us you know, right. providing therapeutic services for that many people. It can be a lot. Now, with seventy thousand people at your university, are they? What's the percentage that are actually there on campus? You know, I'm not certain what percentage is actually on campus. Okay. Um, but when I tell you, it's a lot. <laughs> I'd have I'm to imagine sure with 70,000. Yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been to some, I'm um, a graduate of University of Memphis. I uh, went to Tennessee State University. Um, uh, what else was another big university? I went to MTSU. Um, so I've been at some big universities, but 70,000 is different. That's, that's, yeah. that's a different level. Um, and so I'm just thinking there's got to be a pretty large percentage that actually live on campus. There's got to be a percentage that 
I would say a large percentage that uh, commutes, of course, because we mentioned grad school. Um, and then, of course, there's a percentage that does everything online. Um, have you had any dealings with anyone online that maybe needed therapy service or do, do they have to be face to face? No, over this past year, all of our services have been remote. Um, so, okay. and we, ju- we actually just started back seeing clients in person okay. and we've been trying to limit the in-person contact. So we'll see like if clients are in a state of crisis, we'll see them in person. Um, and, and many of our clinicians have the choice of doing their therapy via telehealth or seeing clients in person. So I was just going to mention telehealth. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I, I um, mm-hmm. with my therapist, we went through telehealth for a while. So I like mm-hmm. telehealth. It was, I, I prefer seeing her in person face to face though. So, um, but Do nevertheless, really? I did. I, I, I she, I kind of look at her almost like a, I've got five aunts. So I kind of looked at her as like a sixth aunt. We were just that cool. Like the, the synergy between us was really strong. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah. But I mean, I still felt it through the telehealth as well too. I just like being in her office and she always had coffee and stuff ready for me. And anyways, um, so so besides the students, we never, and that's my fault. How are you impacted? Um, And I don't know how long you've been in your current role, but uh, let's see everything crash March, 2020. When I say crash, I'm even referring to the stock market. So everything crashed March, 2020. You were, you were there, you were there at that time, right? In this current role? No, in March, 2020, I was actually here. So in March, 2020, I was in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. I was teaching at the University of Memphis and I was doing therapy okay. um, for an integrative healthcare center in, um, in like an, in an underserved area. Okay. So when everything crashed, and when you say crash, I mean that like it all stopped. We went out, we were out for spring break. Yeah. And we just never came back into never the classroom. Never came back. Yeah. Yeah. And so I saw many of my students struggle with that transition. It was a lot on professors as well, especially for those of us who weren't teaching classes online. Mm-hmm. We had to take everything from being in person, all of our lectures and everything, convert it to an, an online software. And then still try to be interactive and have those same types of relationships with our students. And it was it was difficult for us. And for many of my students, they struggled with that transition. Yeah, you just make me remember March 2020 when everything crashed. Um, I remember the first time trying to grocery shop during that time in Kroger. Mm-hmm. And Lord, I just felt, I text my mom and I just told her, this feels surreal. It feels like I'm living in a twilight zone. Like I grew up kind of watching like Alfred Hitchcock's twilight zone and like sci-fi stuff. That's what it felt like. Uh, Cause people were just buying the weirdest of things. Like there was this yeah. guy in front of me with like 15 bottles of Mountain Dew. And I was just like, like why? Why? that's a lot of sugar, man. What, what do you need that for? He bought yeah. all the Mountain Dew. Um, that's yes. funny. I, but, I yeah. remember the toilet tissue. Oh, we yeah. Paper towels. Yeah. People had like baskets stacked high with toilet tissue yeah. and paper towels. And I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. All it, the it Lysol. Was, it was, 
all the bleach, all the disinfectant, yes. pine yes. salt. People were taking any and everything. What's the cheap fabuloso? People just taking anything. It didn't even matter what it was. <laughs> they it was didn't like, care. Yeah, baking soda. I'm cleaning with something. They taking everything. Everything. Like, they took everything. I mean, the shelves were empty. I walked empty. into a Target. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, I mean nothing. And you know, Target or Target, as we like to call it, they're not mm-hmm. cheap. Their prices are always higher than Walmart and anywhere else. So if they were yeah. empty, that means people were getting pretty desperate. Um, you make me think about also in March 2020, I was in a school leadership program over at Christian Brothers University working on my uh, admins license. And we were meeting. Um, I believe once a week, if I'm not mistaken, but you know, like late classes, six to 9 PM, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. and everything just completely shifted to online. And man, I I love Christian Brothers University in Memphis, Tennessee, for my listeners who are not in Memphis. Um, And it's a great university. But man, them professors didn't know what they were doing. And I felt them. And thankfully, at the school district, I am in and was at at the time um, out in Carryville. Um, they didn't even give us the chance to make the adjustment. The district just took everything from us. And basically they were mm-hmm. they were creating district optional assignments for all of the classes. And so it was up to the kids to decide if they wanted to do it. And we didn't meet on Microsoft Teams or Zoom or anything. We only made ourselves available uh, via email if the kids had a question about something. Most of the questions I had were about life. Kids were not worried about that work. They were not asking me anything about their work. They were just, how you doing? What shows are you watching? Are you reading something right now? Did you listen to this album? Like the kids were really more so concerned with how, at least for me, how I was doing as a, as a human being. Um, and, and that leads me to my next point about relationships. Um, and I know in the therapy business for you, you've got um, relationships with your peers, with your colleagues, you've got relationships with um, whoever your quote unquote supervisor or the higher ups might be. Uh, you've got relationships obviously with your clients, with the students. Uh, even when you were back at the University of Memphis, you had you know relationships with those particular students that you were teaching and those clients that you were providing therapy services for. How have your, and then we got real life, right? We got our own family. We got romantic relationships. We got all types of stuff going on. How yeah. has... How was your relationships, whether personal or professional, like impacted by all of this? Wow, my relationships were greatly impacted. Yeah. Um, Yeah, when I think about it, so in all of my therapy sessions, everything shifted. Yeah. Uh, And people were, people really were, we were really just having conversations. It went from being like therapy to just discussion. Yeah. And we were really talking about like, how are we going to deal? How long is this going to last? What can I do to be safe? How can I support my family? Like people were really concerned. And so we just started having those conversations. And I was talking a lot about taking care of yourself in the middle of this and, you know, finding things that you enjoy to kind of take your mind off what's really going on. You know, yeah. take care of yourself as best as you can. Self-care. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, and so that was with my clients, with my students. You know, we were still trying to, you know, I still want to get the information taught. I still want to, I still want them to do well. Right. And at the same time, I understand why you're struggling. I understand 
that it's hard. First off, if I didn't sign up to take an online course, it's for a reason. Maybe I right. don't do well with online classes. Right. And on mm-hmm. top of that, now I'm trying to survive. Now I'm worried about my safety, my family's safety, my friend's safety. Um, and so really as a professor, I had to be much more lean and I had to be, you know, greatly understanding and I had to reach out more, contact students more, talk to students more, give students many more opportunities and chances to make up work because a lot was going on. And as a yeah. human being, I understood it. And not only was I a professor, I was still a student. Right. So I was still taking classes for my PhD. And so on top of managing that, now I'm like, okay, where am I as a student? It's really hard to focus on these readings because every mm-hmm. five seconds I'm thinking about what's happening in society or I'm hearing right. it on the news or I'm seeing it in social media. Right. Um, and so their relationships were different. And thankfully in my program, I had a small cohort and we, we leaned a lot on one another to kind of like help us get through what we were going through. And our professors were really understanding about what was happening as well. And in my personal relationship, I can say, um, really, they grew stronger. Um, Yeah, because COVID, what it did was, for me specifically, it helped me to just have a sense of gratitude about everything. Yeah, that's Um, important. So, yeah, yeah, you know, so many people weren't very fortunate. Um, Many people got COVID and and they aren't here with us anymore. Yeah. And so during that time, I really learned to, you know, just keep the ones that I love near and dear. Um, and so and we had we had extra time. And so I know in my in my with my family and friends, we spent a lot of time making TikTok videos. Yeah. Um, I'm really artsy and creative and I like to just do stuff. And so I bought a whole painting set from Amazon and we would sit around the kitchen table and, and paint little small paintings and things like that. But for me personally, my my relationships grew much stronger on the friends and family. Yeah, that's so awesome. that's something that I'm grateful for. Yeah, I think a lot of people have gotten to that place too. Why there's so many people retiring from work and things like that because they realize yeah. what's most important. Yeah, and what's most important are these with our relationships with our family, with our loved ones. I'll say. Yeah. yeah, I even seen an uptick. And of course, um, that kind of gets into a more political discussion. But I haven't seen an uptick when they try to open things back up too soon. And people traveling like more like I've got a buddy. He's over in Costa Rica right now. And I'm like, yo, like it's still a pandemic going, but it's his birthday. And in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know what? Do it. Do it, black yeah. man. Go to Costa Rica. Yeah. Do Drink on a martini. Do Have a good time. Exactly. Because I think the one thing we can all take away, especially us being, you know, younger professionals, I think we can all take away is this isn't a scrimmage. Like we've got, we've got one life. Like this is it. This is this is what we get. And then, and then the middle of all of this, like, uh, Man, let me see if I can find it real quick. There is a meme, and I and you're gonna laugh because I, I hope you you've seen it. And I and audience, as you're listening to this, I do not know how old Dr. Kanisha Moore is, and I don't want her to tell me. And I'm not going to assume because she looks great, so I'm not Thank going to you. assume. But y'all know black don't crack anyway, so we're not gonna worry about that. Okay. Here it is. Okay. Here it is. Here's the meme. '80s babies. <laughs> after we went through two economic crashes, 9/11. Katrina, Trump presidency, and a global pandemic all before 40. 
and the guy is just laid out like completely just laid out that's how i feel that me that's exactly how i feel it's like ah we've been through so much so so much um and mental health is super important a lot of things you said i'm sure listeners can resonate with i know i can personally resonate with mental health is important especially for the black and brown and that's my demographic like i don't hide that that's my target demographic um scholars professors educators writers authors creators investors everyone like come to the show come to the tribe um and let's all just pour into each other and pour into ourselves because if you don't have anything within yourself then how can you pour into because a lot of what we do is servitude what you do is servitude what i do professionally is servitude even personally a lot of those relationships we're pouring into our friends our friends hopefully uh, it's reciprocity they're pouring into us our relatives it, it goes back and forth um we need each other um but yeah this isn't a scrimmage we got one life so live take that trip um you got any trips planned or have you been have you been traveling during the pandemic a little bit i have i've done a great deal of traveling do it yes yeah i've been i've been all over the place you know and and i'll say this it was a little scary at first yeah at first i was a little afraid i was like okay there are so many people on this plane yes and this Mm -hmm. little mask okay i know (laughs) i'm not sure about it but you know, right. I just I said, but you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna live and I'm gonna enjoy myself. Yeah. Because you're right. We only have this one life to live. That's all we got. And this, this pandemic, yeah. Yeah. And, and this pandemic is showing us like. And the other thing too, to piggyback on what you're saying, we don't know how long this is going to last, like at all. We don't. We have no idea how long it's going to last. We don't know if it's going to continue to um, morph into like different variants. Um, or if it's going to die down to like the, you know, common cold or the flu. Um, we also don't know if this might spark other um, viruses or, 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 airborne, or airborne illnesses or whatever the case may be. We just don't know what other yeah. pandemics might be coming. So uh, unfortunately, this might be the new normal. Uh, unfortunately, we might be mm. wearing masks for a long time. I mean, if I think about it, over in Asia, they've been wearing masks already. And I know they have a different they have a different population and landmarks and climate. And so there's a reason why they've been wearing masks. I kind of feel like the rest of the world is just catching up. Like now you see why we've been wearing masks. (laughs) Now you see why we wash our hands a billion times a day and we sanitize everything. And um, shout out to the pandemic for one very reason, one reason only. People have gotten a lot cleaner. I appreciate that. That's it. I just appreciate people getting a lot cleaner, but I'm not going to lie. I still go into the men's bathroom and I'm still seeing guys go to the bathroom, number one or number two, and they walk right back out. And I'm like, that's disgusting. Oh, that's just terrible. (laughs) That's nasty. nasty. And I've seen it at the, look, and I've seen it at the movie theater where they're on a date. You're going right back into her arms like that and kissing on her? That's so nasty. Now that's just gross. But come on, now, man, y'all got to do better. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say it was us. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't well, say it was us. We black and brown. I didn't say it was us. But yeah, yeah, now, we I've know we've been taught better for yeah. sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Um, one last question for you, and I'll let you go. One last question: What advice would you give to 
um, educators listening, scholars listening, graduate students listening, professors listening, what's one or two pieces of advice you would give them as we continue to uh, pave a new way um, in this in this society with the pandemic going? The piece of advice that I would give, one, I would say, have some compassion for yourself so that you are doing the absolute best that you can do and and be okay with it. So practice some self-compassion, know that nothing is perfect. And right now, just be thankful for what you can do. Um, really, that's my biggest piece of advice. And also, do what you enjoy. Don't forget to do the things that you love. Do what you have to do, but make some time to do what you enjoy doing. Because really, that's, that's, the, that's one of the ways in which you can successfully get we can successfully get through this pandemic because it's a struggle it is a struggle and so we have to take care of ourselves and we have to love on ourselves and to me that that's the biggest piece of advice that I can give to scholars and educators just be kind to yourself and to others compassion for yourself compassion for others and yeah that 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 that's where I'll stop but that's the biggest piece of advice I love it. That's great advice. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. And I lied. One more question. What, okay. what book or podcast are you currently listening to? And maybe it's both or maybe it's several, but what other, what books or resources are you currently enjoying? You know what, right now, I have to be honest. So I just graduated with my PhD yeah. and I've been spending so much time reading academic literature. Yeah. I really haven't gotten into like any, in, I'll say fun readings right okay. now. Okay. Um, so yeah, you give me a give me a little time, and maybe I'll okay. be able to come back in a <laughs> in a month or so and say, you know what, I've got this book and I'm listening yeah. to this podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm okay. looking forward to it. Though. I can tell you that much. So you're taking a mental break from that. A mental break from academic reading. Well, just reading in general, because you said you've been doing, because I know going through a doctorate program, like you're constantly, consistently reading, 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 consuming mm-hmm. material, processing information cognitively. I know you're at the point where it's like, just Absolutely. let me get a break. Well, are you watching like, are you, do you watch TV or movies or anything you want to recommend? Let me tell you. So I've just started watching television because okay. I have not seen, and I've been watching Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> I know no 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 i i still have not watched it i'm interested i have conversations i've been having conversations for years about game of thrones and i've never watched a single episode i know that sounds so strange but it's based on it's based on books it's based on a book so a lot of my conversation from an author's perspective is about the characters and how they're developing and why they do this and why they do that. So I just get intrigued and I just go back and forth from an author's perspective. Um, but I am going to, I'm going to watch it. How far are you? Cause that's a lot of seasons. A lot of seasons. And here's the thing. So I just started watching it last week and I'm already okay. on season five. So Whoa. I've been spending a lot of time with getting first. <laughs> I know. I know. Whoa. I've been spending a lot of time with Game of Thrones. I mean, falling asleep on the couch because I'm wow. watching the show and I don't want to go get in the bed kind of thing. But 
the show is absolutely amazing. <laughs> I'm not gonna talk. I ain't gonna talk much about it because I think you can watch it for yourself, and I don't want to give away. I am. Spoilers. I'm definitely gonna watch it. You have taken binge watch binge watching to a whole new level. Wow, a whole new the level. Fifth season. Because for four, yes, for four years and four years, I've really not been able to just sit and mm-hmm. you know be consistent with Relax. the television show and keep yeah. up. With, yes. I've been busy. I've been had, I've had many roles that I've had to fulfill over these last four years. So yeah. I didn't get much time to, you know, just sit and watch TV or things like that. But now I'm catching up and I've started with Game of Thrones and it's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. It's I'm amazing. looking, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I have heard some conflicting uh criticism about the final season. Um, but I mean, oh, that's wow. isn't like nine seasons, so there's a ways to go, even for it's you like eight of them. Yeah. Oh, it's eight of them. Okay. I have a way yeah. to go. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, it, it, let me tell you from my perspective, yeah, it, I haven't, it's been amazing. Like, okay. I can't, I can't say, oh, it's awful. No, right. it's it's given me things that I was not expecting to get from a oh, TV yeah. show, so it's, it, it's great. I can't wait to check it out. That is HBO. Yes, HBO. Okay, HBO sponsored the Black Scholars Podcast, please. We appreciate you. <laughs> yes. That's Come awesome. on, sponsorship. <laughs> please, please, please do. For sure. Well, Dr. Kanisha Moore, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, please come back. Please come back. We would love to have you again. Yes. And thank you for Absolutely. all of thank the great advice and me. insight. Thank you. I'm sure that this information is going to help. And like I said, you are the first uh, uh, scholar that I've had on the show who isn't currently in K through 12. So thank you for adding variety to the show. We appreciate that. And we need that. So definitely. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Black Scholars Podcast. For more information, Sometimes go to blackscholarspublishing.com. You just gotta go. You will never know what you could ever be. If you never try, you will never see. Stayed in Africa, we ain't never leave. So the ones don't slave in our history. One no slave ships, one no misery.